Love Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. God is the one who will lead us and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Out of the Day with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Welcome to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting a knowledge that's engaging and transforming. And it is our goal, it is our, is our hope, it is our very existence, very reason for existence to empower you, our listeners, to knowing and doing and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Uh, there's a line you can call, 347-237-5230. That's the number to call to get your thoughts, your insights, opinions on the air. And the chat room is open. You simply go to blogtalkradio.com slash zero today. You'll be able to get in on the excuse me, you'll be able to get in on the uh, chat line. It is open. and uh we have an inter- interesting thing that we're going to be talking about today um so we're looking to hope hoping to get a lot of people to talk uh well you know hey we'll do what we can <laughs> but as always there's so many other ways you can do is uh uh hit us up on uh in the chat room of course and um follow us on blog talk radio subscribe to the show if you're listening follow follow us on the show uh our facebook page zero network on facebook Send us an email at PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're everywhere. At least we're trying to get everywhere, and we're glad that you are joining us. So before we go any further, uh, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, we'll get into the uh, topics for the day. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for another opportunity to show, be gracious unto us, and allow us to be said, everything to be said and done to your honor and glory of your name. Amen. Well, we thank you. For tuning in, it's another great another great show, another great week. The first March, beware the Ides of March, man! I tell you, this year is moving by so 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 fast. I it's just amazing, you know. We're already in March, and I can see my birthday already. <laughs> but uh, hold on, just a sec. Um, March is here. Um. Busy month for me, busy month for a lot of people. And I know a lot of kids are getting ready because, hey, March signifies not only uh, coming of spring, but the coming of spring break. <laughs> so it's going to be kind of hectic around uh, a lot of people, for a lot of people, especially teenagers, college students, maybe getting their travel on, going to different places. This year for uh, spring break, we are going to do something different with my kids here at the church. We're going to take them to the children's hospital and we're going to, you know, just let them see. How blessed and how fortunate they are to have the life they have, the health that they have. We're hoping that, you know, it will get them to to be more gracious, you know, have a a better sense of gratitude um, instead of the sense of um, just what what they call it, uh, you know, 
deserving and um I can't I can't call it right now. It's on top of my head. But uh you know developing a sense of gratitude for them. And and um when I was a kid I got exposed to uh a lot of things being that I was a uh you know, a kid preacher, I got exposed to a lot of things that the average kid didn't get exposed to, you know, not just doing nursing home traveling, but uh going and visiting sick and shut in and getting an idea uh the shallowness of life, you know, the limitations of life, the, the expectations that you can have big dreams, but, you know, that could all change in the shifting of time and shifting of moment. And one hymn writer put it this way, time is filled with swift transition. Not on earth I move can stand. Build your hope on things eternal and hold to God's unchanging hand. And, you know, getting the kids to get that sense of, uh, of the transition of time is 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 hard nowadays. Uh, um, we're finding it we're finding it difficult. Not not only not only that, but think about all the products that are being produced to get people to to kind of delay the aging of time. You know, the coming of time, the coming of age. I I, I want to see it. You know, I want to grow up. And I, I know I'm really bit off, but I don't really know how I got on this. But anyway, <laughs> it, it is spring, spring break. Young people getting ready to do things, uh, uh, testing and all that kinds of stuff, whatever. You, but either way, I, I started all that with with fact that it's March, and you know, time is already moving fast and quicker. And, and man, so this, it, if it's going the way it is, I mean, this year is going to go by pretty fast. Um, where was I going? I mean, <laughs> that rant got me off track. Uh, oh well. Anyway, so I was looking in the news and I heard some news. I don't know whether except how to how to take this news, whether it's good or bad. But um, Hugh, um, what's his name? Uh, Chavez. He, uh, Hugo Chavez, who was the president of Venezuela. Or properly, the uh, Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela, as he changed it, uh, passed away yesterday. Fifty-eight years old, and uh, he was an interesting character, calling the uh, calling America the imperial state, you know, challenging Secretary of State Clinton. Of course, he and Bush, you know, had that at odds, um, um, and championed by some. And uh, right, you know, just, just uh, 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 a pain in the neck to others. Let me put it that way. That's the best way I could put it. <laughs> so here he's dead, and he he led one of the most leftist regimes um, in the world. Um, he you know government he, he his government took over everything you know basically when he came into power he promised a revolution he gave him a revolution by taking over everything but while he was trying to do more to help the poor and give the poor a voice and 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 all of this what ended up happening is that it did it well it gave him a voice but it hurt the country the murder rates went up inflation went up Unemployment went up. All the things that were really uh, mattered went up. So you know, it, it, you have to wonder. It, 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 we, you're seeing, you're seeing the things that are happening in this country, and um, and all of this, and you wonder why would anybody really want a socialist? And, and I'm not speaking specifically of anyone. I'm just saying, why would anyone want to apply socialist ideas when historically socialist ideas have not worked? At the same time, capitalist ideals have not really worked either. You know, you have to find a balance. You have to find a balance betwixt the two. And, and you know, every country, every leader promises that. You know, they promise some form of revolution. They promise some form of reformation. And even in the church, you know. Uh, pastors come to church promising some form of reformation. Uh, in our church, we elect bishops, and as you will see, uh, we talk about later. You know, the Catholic Church is preparing to elect bishops, and they are, you know, in so many words, trying to 
establish a sense of reformation because of the issues that have been plaguing the Catholic Church, and they're they're looking to uh, they're not looking to traditional cardinals, those those who are strictly orthodox. They're not looking to those. They're, they're trying to find those who are a bit more progressive, because you have at the door you have the issue of uh, married priests, you have the issue of uh, female clergy, and you have the issue of uh, of course, sexual misconduct among a lot of the clergy. So, uh, uh, those those are the things that people are uh, looking to address, and they're hoping that the next pope who will be elected will be one who is empathetic with people, uh, sensitive to the times and the cultures that of the people, and of course, as we'll be talking about today, relevant. And and all of this, you know, all of this kind of ties in with what I want to talk about. Uh, when you talk about relevance, when you, especially when, you, when you're talking in the in the political realm, you're asking yourself, well, what does it relevant mean politically? You know, what does it mean uh, theologically? What does it mean culturally? And 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 um, basically, we 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 miss that. Somehow we we missed that. I don't know how, but um. So he's dead, and the question now, as his uh, countrymen mourn him, the country now uh, the question is now, uh, what lies at stake for for his country, and what lies at stake because he was actually reelected. He was reelected. Um. He had claimed that his he had come back and you know got good health and 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 he dies so so the question is now um what happens with the what happens with the guy uh with the with the country so oh wow I just learned this Paul Bearer Paul Bearer of the WWE this is way off subject. I, I don't know if y'all watched wrestling, but Paul Bearer, you know, he was the guy who carried the urn for the wrestler, the Undertaker. He's dead. Oh, goodness gracious. Wow. That, that's something. Has nothing to do with, <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with what I was talking about, but, you know, I'm just reading some of the news today, and, and that came up. So, anyway. So, today our show is about the relevance of the church, uh, particularly, uh, particularly, it, it, it's uh, you know, the churches that are notorious for join, you know, the church is notorious for taking fads to the extreme. Sometimes even after they have passed, I mean, have to, you know, just gone the the way of the ghost. <laughs> uh, you know, the church finds a way to. Bring him into the church. When I say the church, I mean the church collectively. I'm not talking about specific churches, but we're going to be talking about some of these things, these fads, some of these, some of these things that the churches do to stay culturally relevant. By culturally relevant, I mean just to, in my opinion, just to make sense. <laughs> you know, to draw crowds, to get people in the seats, to get bigger offerings, and and, and you know. I I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I can tell you this one thing: there's some there's some cases where it is just sad, just just sad. And I got some clips on on the play, <laughs> and we'll we'll talk about it, get some discussion about it. Uh, for a uh, couple of things we're going to talk. About. What well, you know, what what makes a church relevant? I mean. What is it? What makes the church relevant? Should the church even try to adapt to the times? Uh, what does it? What should it look like? What should the church adapting to the times look like? What should the church? Uh, what would a member want to see? Who's uh, uh, better yet? What is somebody who is unchurched, unchurched who wants to come in the church? What should they expect? I mean, should they expect a full concert, or should they expect something like this? Check this out. Rapping for Jesus. 
Hold up, it's coming up in a second here. Yeah, here we go. Yeah! <laughs> oh my God! So is that is that what they should look for? I mean, I'm a pastor. Yeah, I'm a young pastor, and uh, you know, I guess I got to find my nigga Jesus. Uh, don't bleep that out, FCC. Don't don't bleep that out. It's it's a little good word, you know. It said out a good <laughs> said out a good piece. So so this guy. Um, uh, uh, ha- this video has gone viral. It's, it's a video of a white male and his white man and his wife, his wife, and a big old—not a big old, but a, you know, a, another old white dude in the back playing like he's a DJ. You got to see this video. It's, it's on the YouTube. You can just type "rapping for Jesus" or "Jesus is my n-word" or you know, "nigga" whatever you want to play. Uh, so that that video is there. It's gone viral and. They literally use that word. I, you know, you can't make this stuff up. But if you go and search for the pastor, apparently, you know, there is no, uh, no way to identify who this really is. You know, and if it's serious or comical. Uh, now, the first time I I looked at it, I'm thinking this has this cannot be serious. I mean, because one, if you look at the video, the guy, I mean, he's doing his best to just. <laughs> I mean, he got the shades, he got the wraps, and he's, uh, you know, trying to have a little swagger. As a matter of fact, the lady, uh, the lady goes on, his wife goes on, and, and, and sings a little bit. Let me, let me get, uh, see if I can pull her up. Yeah, uh, here, let's check this out. Listen, listen to her side. Now culturally, I I I don't know whether to be offended by that or like I'm just laughing, 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 laughing because of the way these guys are really. You, you just gotta see the video. I mean, if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. You would get the laugh of your life because it's hilarious. And the sincerity, the, what is presented to to me as a sense of sincerity is, is just you know. It's like they really think that they're they're really doing something, fulfilling and accomplishing something by this video or through this video, and to them it's relevant. Um, now there are plenty of other churches that are doing things like this. Uh, there's a phenomenon that happened in the late '80s or early '90s, and it was called the Seeker Church. And the Seeker Church was all about accommodating the people. Um, and basically, it, it continues today. It's it's morphed into something even I can't describe, right? But it's morphed, and it, it's become something that's not just uh, people oriented. For example, you know, you you had where pastors were doing surveys to people to see what they wanted in the church, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you do want to get a get you want to gauge the people and and get an idea of you know what could be done to help the people, of course. But um, you you know you, at the same time you don't just want to, I mean, just because they say well we want to see a circus, you don't make the church a circus to draw people. I I I don't think that you know. So or you know or we want to see uh, somebody jump uh, like evil Knievel jump. So 
some person who's a daredevil, that's his new ministry now. Or when I was a kid, there was this group called the Power Team. Y'all got you ever heard of the Power Team? The Power Team, you know, they were they were a bunch of weightlifters. They basically, you know, they were huge guys, and they would go from churches and even into the schools. They're coming to the schools. And they do these wonderful uh, bits of strength. You know, they show how they they will break. Uh, one guy, you know, his his uh, his was breaking the handcuffs. You know, he he would show that he was free from sin by breaking the handcuffs. And and of course, they would lift these big weights. And it just it was amazing. You know, I I ain't even got there. I can barely lift fifty pounds. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but you know the power team. The purpose was to to say that the, the the feats of strength that they do, they did it because they were powered by the Holy Ghost. You know, Jesus gave them, and they referenced Luke twenty Luke uh, twenty four, where it says, um, "What it was, I think it's twelve or something like that." Uh, twenty four forty seven. That's where it is. Luke twenty four forty seven says, "Behold, I give you power. Uh, you re- you receive power when you get the Holy Spirit." And you'll be my witnesses into Jerusalem and all the places of the earth. Um, and, of course, again, in Acts 1 and 8, you have that uh, similar uh, passage. And, and and so they, they, they took this to mean it literally physical strength, physical power, and they would do these amazing feats of strength. Um, and it was good. It was, it was good, you know. I, they were, they, and then they were even – this is how you know how far we've come, you know, uh, or regressed. I guess you can say. I don't. I don't know. But you know, they they actually would do altar calls during, you know, when they came to the school, they would do altar calls. And when they went to churches, you know, they perform at the school during the day, and then at night they do a whole other show at church and do another altar call. Uh, and I, you know, I was fascinated by that. Can't do that now. Heck, you can't even say Jesus without being sued or you know anything like that. But uh, they there there was a sense of relevance there for them when they you know you know because they used contemporary music and they they did feats of strength that they knew the kids were gonna be fascinated by but uh, but now you have these guys who are just out of out of sync with everything and when I say out of sync I mean way out of sync. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break because um, I ran over the time. We're gonna come back when we come back. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, talk about we'll, we'll talk about rethinking church, and when we'll, we think about what church should be. And I got some more clips I'm gonna share with you and get your thoughts and insights on that. But until then, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Faustine's topping the fluffy egg with crispy bacon. Now he's delicately placing the gouda. That's cheese, Ron. Like a blanket. The toasted English muffin, perfectly positioned. The bacon gouda sandwich, everyone. Come on. Wait. Zinu coffee. Perfection. That means good sandwich. Try the new bacon gouda sandwich. And now try our new small hot or iced coffee for 25 cents. Breakfast just got fantastic. Burger King, where taste is king. Today, we stand against the tyranny of single-mile credit cards. That'll speech, right? <gasps> May I? For too long, people have settled for single miles. With the Capital One Venture Card, you'll earn double miles on every purchase every day. Hawaii, here we come. So sign up today for a Venture Card at CapitalOne.com. And start earning double. What's in your wallet? Can you play games on that? You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. It was just gigantic. It was humongous. Enormous, huge bill. That's actually when we switched to Vonage. The service is great. I don't see any difference with the call quality. More, I can just pick up the phone and call. As many family members as I want. Ugh, why did I not do this earlier? I'm Laura Pruden, and this was my last bill before I switched to Vonage. 
Time is running out to get Vonage World for just $14.99 a month with unlimited domestic and international calls. Go to Vonage.com or call now. I need you. I feel so alone. But you're not alone. I knew you'd come. Like I could stay away. You know I can't do this without you. You'll never have to. You're always there for me. I'll get you a rental car. Don't use an umbrella. Fall in love with Progressive's Claim Service. Welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your host, Lorenzo Neal, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. We're talking about uh, the relevance of the church, uh, what, what's, relevant, what's really relevant for churches. And I had a guest in the chat room uh, say this, if the person who made that video was really, really sincere, they wouldn't have used the word, the end word, to get that point across. I think they are just a bunch of fatheads who don't know any better. <laughs> wow. You know, and here's another comment from uh, from chat room. Another comment. I I don't like that video, and because it was white people, it's a racist video. Uh, well, yeah, maybe I don't know. Uh, get your comments in uh, if you want to. But we're talking about what's really relevant for churches. What's really relevant for churches today? Um, and <laughs> that video, you gotta go back on uh, go on the YouTube. I, I can't post a link to it, but if you type in, uh, you go to YouTube and type in um, uh, Rapping for Jesus, it'll come up. It's a good one. So, um, when we're talking about what's really relevant for the church, um, there's, a, there's a hymn in the church that we that we sing quite a bit. It's uh, called um, A Charge to Keep I Have. And if, you, if you've been in church long enough, you've heard this song at some point, some you know, some, some point, you've heard this song. And there's a standard there's a stanza say, uh, one of the last stanzas I want to say, to serve the present age, my calling to fulfill, or may it all my powers engage to do the master's will. And, um, you know, we're talking about serving the present age, and this present age right now is crazy. When I say it's crazy, it doesn't make any sense. When I, I mean, literally, it does not make any sense. Before the break, we were talking about the secret churches, and uh, one of the modes of uh, modus operandi that they used was, you know, adopting the services to fit the people and, you know, their likes and dislikes. So uh, you stop seeing choirs, you know, you weren't seeing choirs, and they moved from choirs to praise teams, and they moved from praise team to praise bands, and basically the praise band was, you know, you got a free concert every week. Because what it, what it was is they would play whatever was popular on the radio in the secular world. They would play it and just basically change the words, throw a Jesus in there, throw a God in there. I saw one church, Granger Community Church. Granger Community Church is a very popular church. It's uh, one of the more what's called relevant secret churches, uh, more more um, – and, and this church here, it, I, you got to go – Go to your YouTube page. I mean, they they do some crazy stuff. By crazy to me, you know, I'm conservative when it comes. I'm not orthodox. I'm just conservative. I'm, I'm a bit. I'm a bit pro- progressive. I, I, you know, I, I can allow. I can tolerate some stuff. I can tolerate. I I have a high tolerance for foolery sometimes in churches. I, I really do. I do, I do, because I, you know, I've been to the churches in the backwoods where they'll sing one song, forty-five minutes, and and shout and shout and shout from that one song, and then the preacher's gonna come back and preach another forty-five minutes, and then they're gonna pray another twenty minutes, and then shout, and you know, and you go home like, what the world just happened? And then I've been to the ultra secure, uh, uh, you know, ultra sedity churches where. 
it's so quiet. Everything is, you know, I mean, on point, choreographed, well choreographed. The ushers usher you in, you sit down, and you do not make a word for the rest of the service. And the preacher's sermon is well put together, well thought out, well constructed, and well delivered without any emotion at all. More of a lecture than a sermon. And I'm not, <laughs> you know, and, and the invitation is extended, and you're like, for what? What what you want me to come just join this church for? And and you have these churches that now where again you have the praise band and you have the musicians who are on point. I mean they are they can they can make it they can make it flow, you know. They can make you flow, they can make you dance. And then you have those churches where every Sunday has to be a club Sunday. But anyway, Granger Church, uh one of the things they they, they have mastered is the art of regurgitating secular music and bringing it into the church. So one uh one one clip I I couldn't download it but they have one clip where they are playing literally uh uh an old um Rolling Stones tune uh Mr. Lucifer or something like that uh I can't think of the name of that tune. Oh man. Uh, but uh, pleased to meet you. Want you to know my name? Blah 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 blah. Uh, anyway, so they played they played that as a praise and worship song during service. That was a praise and worship song, right? Yeah. More recently, Granger and it's on YouTube. Granger has adapted the Skyfall theme, the one that Adele sang. Adele, or how you say? Uh, one that Adele, I, I can't sing her name, but anyway, from the movie, the Bond, James Bond movie, um, they they have adapted that. So, what is that point? What what is my point in all of that? My point is, in all of that is, is that <clears throat> trying to be relevant may draw a crowd, but you may lose the very essence of the church. So, how do we how do we do that? How do we Rethink Church to Serve This Present Age. And I have a book here. I have a, I have a book here that probably is a good book that if you are uh, in the church, if lay clergy, uh, uh, Dr. Otis, Tom, uh, uh, Otis Thomas Macmillan, who is a wonderful scholar, uh, evangelist, and he is, a uh, matter of fact, he's the director of evangelism for the Emmy Zion Church. He has a book that's called... Um, Rethink Church, and certainly, of course, and I'm, I'm referencing this book, but I'm also putting a plug in for Dr. McMillan. He's a wonderful guy. But uh, when, when you're talking about rethinking church, is it about packaging the church to appeal to a more contemporary generation, or is it about restructuring the message, keeping the centrality of the gospel while staying relevant, culturally relevant, without having to change and adapt too much. So, this is an example. This is this is my bad example of doing that. A bad example of of, of of rethinking church. What would you say if you walked into a church and the pastor starts saying how much he loves God, right? And of course you're like, yeah, I love God too. And then he starts saying, you know, sometimes I love God so much that I can't find the right song to sing to him. So I sing songs like this. Hold on, that's not what I was looking for. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 19. Some people who want it all. I don't want nothing at all. It ain't you, Jesus. I ain't got a you, Jesus. Come on. Some people want diamond rings. 
but everything means nothing. Don't act like you won't know it. Come on. Stop if I want it all. Just point and say, if it ain't you, Jesus, hang on you. Everything means nothing. Hang on to you. Well, I, now some of y'all mad, but tell your neighbor it all depends upon who you're singing to. I'm saved. As Paul said, "More saved than you all." But, but sometimes when I get in a situation, you know, if God is love and. I'm a worshiper. I need a good love song to let God know how much I love Him. And of all love music of God, and sometimes I just tell the Lord, always and forever, each moment with you. Come on, y'all know it's just like a dream that somehow came true. I know tomorrow. We'll still be the same. But all you need is a flashlight right now. Come on. Because we've got that won't ever change. Lift your hands and say, every day, every. Love me your own special way. Melt all my heart away with the smile. Come on, take time, take. You really care. And we'll, and we'll share to break heaven. All right, that's enough of that. All right, so that was Bishop Lester Love. Um, and, of course, you can... Here where he starts out. This is what he starts out by saying, you know, he, yeah, uh, you know, or in this particular clip, he just goes off and starts singing this Alicia Keys, and the only difference is that he instead of saying, "If it ain't you, baby," he said, "Jesus." I don't know about that. And then he goes off into Luther, and but what 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 catches me is what he says is 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 about who you're singing to. Well. There is some truth to that, but there's enough there's enough uh, misinformation and enough of a fallacy uh, of a fallacy uh, bad argument in there to to be wrong. One, the the church has always for centuries this has been the the argument between you know secular versus uh, the sacred you know, and it wasn't until recently that we've been adapting. The secular songs now we uh, because up until our, you know the 19th century the church was the primary uh, promoter of, of music you know uh, it, it brought out you know if you were a musician you were employed by the church in some capacity you know and you know they promoted your works and the artists and you know they were your patrons um, and and recently you know after mid 20 you know 20th century that changed where we began to imitate secular music and bring it into uh the church um and you know they used to critique Ray Charles about that Ray Charles went in his in his prime you know he he started using gospel chords in his music and it just I mean really just stirred up controversy but at the same time there was Reverend Dr. C.L. Franklin, <laughs> Aretha's father, who was, I mean, he basically embraced the world, secular music, and invited those artists. And, you know, then you, you saw those artists such as um, James Cleveland uh, back in the day, Walter Hawkins and Edwin Hawkins and, you know, others in those days who would, you know, they and Rance Allen, they, they started forging a different sphere of gospel music, and, and instead of imitating, they created gospel music with the sound, with a secular sound that you know eventually broke through the mainstream. Like "Oh Happy Day" was a mainstream hit, 
<laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And let's not forget Al Green, brother Al Green. Of course, the hot grits helped him. <laughs> you know, instead of saying let's stay together, you know, he flipped over to the gospel scene. And well, I'm saying all that. I, I got off that, but I, I, I'm saying all of that because when we're talking about relevance, uh, what would you do if a secular artist did the same thing as a sacred artist does? You know, I, I remember hearing on the radio some guy, you know, uh, music soul child song, Love. You know, it was a beautiful song, very, very, very beautiful song. And not long after that song was recorded and, you know, was doing well, I heard it on a gospel station, just the gospel version of it. And I was like, come on, man, be creative at least. You know, why we always got to be, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm tripping. I'm really tripping. But, you know, why we got to be biting off the world to be relevant? And we would get mad uh, if the world took our songs and, and, and secularized it. You know, what if they took to him, uh, Jesus paid it all. <laughs> and secular, I don't know how they would do it. But what if they took, uh, many of us would raise up in arms. You know, we, we raise up in arms. Because we don't like the idea of gospel artists going secular. Uh, recently, Kim Burrell, who is a very well-known gospel, you know, she's an award-winning gospel artist. She's a, I believe she's also a pastor. I'm not sure about that. I'm going to have to check that. But I know that she's a, a, a well-respected gospel artist. Mary Mary, another well-respected uh, gospel group. Uh, well, so-called gospel group. Kim Burrell uh, produced a, ser- a, 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 a secular-themed love album. You know, it had a lot of love songs on it. And she caught a lot. I mean, they just... Uh, they went off on her for that <laughs> because you know to them you know you are a gospel artist you shouldn't be you should be uh recording that kind of stuff but it it <laughs> you know now if she had stayed with it just made it gospel and gospel loves on they'd probably been a little more a little more receptive my 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 thing about this is is when we take secular songs and try to integrate them in the church, uh, it's not just about who we're singing it to. We also have to take into consideration the spirit behind the song. Uh, of course, with every secular song, uh, when you even though if you're going to say God is love, I mean, the spirit behind that is not the agape love of God. It's not agape love. It is eros. It's ironic. I mean, every secular love song is is rooted in Erotic emotions, you know, the the idea of two people coming together to enjoy love. And that ain't the way God sees us. God ain't trying to hook up with us. Really. God God ain't trying to hook up with us. Really, really. He he is not trying to hook up with us, and he does not want us to try to hook up with him. God is not our cuddle buddy. You know, <clears throat> God ain't trying to get us in the bed. I I know some people find that hard to believe, but that is just that's just the way it is. And when you present stuff like that, and you notice how the audience reacted, they didn't react to the fact that he you know he said the scripture, uh, and but the moment they they heard the tune when he started singing, they just they went right into it, and the further that clip goes, it just gets a little ridiculous. You know, and what well, what is really bad about this this clip is, uh, and, and mind you, I, I have a great deal of respect for Bishop Love. I've, I've shared the platform with him before. Uh, you know, I, uh, he's a good preacher. Um, I don't know about his past. I haven't been to his church, but I know he's a good preacher. Um, but th- this was choreographed. This was planned. This was not impromptu. This was planned, you know. He goes further into the clip. He goes into a, a melody, and the musicians, uh, you know, he, he as if right on cue, he follows them. They they follow him. So it wasn't like he just up and decided, hey, I'm going to sing this song. No, this was planned. And I, uh, you know, unfortunately, the clip does not go into his message. 
you know, you can't see, you can't uh, can't figure out whether that was related to his sermon or a series or anything of that nature. All it is sharing is that, you know, he, he did a clip. I'm going to come back from, I'm going to take a break and come back, and then I, I got another clip, and um, we'll, we'll uh, let you hear that. So we're going to be right back after this. You've heard the saying, clothes make the man. Used to be that way with suits. Wear one and you'd start to think like one. Wall Street before Main Street. Profit before people. Well, that's changing. I mean, look around. You see a lot more guys wearing suits. They're not thinking like suits. What it comes down to is this. Today, you don't have to be one to wear one. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. So then I said, Mr. Prime Minister, I'm flattered that you love chocolate, but I'm here strictly in a professional. What's wrong with him? He thinks you're naked. My shell is brown. It just looks like my milk chocolate is showing. Only a fool would think I'd actually show up naked. So it's that kind of party. Hit it! I'm sexy and I know it. When mucus piles up in your chest, the congestion can get in the way of your day. That's you with the mud, not the floor. With so few hours in a day, it's not easy keeping a place looking this trippy. You have the magic touch. Maximum Strength Mucinex breaks up the mucus that causes chest congestion. And only Mucinex is a bilayered tablet. One side goes to work fast, the other is long-lasting. Uh-oh. <coughs> what about my condolence? Mucinex is fast-acting and provides long-lasting 12-hour relief. 12 hours? Mucinex in, mucus out. When BT made a commitment to the golf, we knew it would take time, but we were determined to see it through. Today, while our work continues, I want to update you on the progress. BT has set aside $20 billion to fund economic and environmental recovery. We're paying for all spill-related cleanup costs, and we've established a $500 million fund so independent scientists can study the golf's wildlife and environment for 10 years. Thousands of environmental samples from across the Gulf have been analyzed by independent labs under the direction of the U.S. Coast Guard. I'm glad to report all beaches and waters are open for everyone to enjoy. And the economy is showing progress, with many areas on the Gulf Coast having their best tourism seasons in years. I was born here. I'm still here, and so is BP. We're committed to the Gulf for everyone who loves it and everyone who calls it home. Now Faustine's topping the fluffy egg with crispy bacon. Now he's delicately placing the Gouda. That's cheese, Ron. Like a blanket. The toasted English muffin, perfectly positioned. The bacon Gouda sandwich, everyone. Come on. Wait. Zinu coffee. Perfection! That means good sandwich. Try the new bacon Gouda sandwich. And now try our new small hot or iced coffee for 25 cents. Breakfast just got fantastic. Burger King, where taste is king. I need you. I feel so alone. But you're not alone. I knew you'd come. Like I could stay away. You know I can't do this without you. You'll never have to. You're always there for me. I'll get you a rental car. Don't use an umbrella. Fall in love with Progressive Claim Service. Welcome back to Zero Today again. I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo O'Neill. We're talking about uh, church's relevance. Uh, what makes a church relevant? Um, what's really relevant for churches to do? 
And before the break, we had uh, I played a clip of Pastor, uh, Bishop uh, Lester Love singing and leading the melody of uh, love songs, in which he stated that uh, you know it, it's not about what you sing is who you're singing to. And, and while that sounds good, again, it, it doesn't, you know, it, it, for for those who are new believers, it gives them a, a false sense of hope and a false sense of security and a false sense of relationship with God. God is not, well, he's not the kind of God that's distant, but at the same time, he's not the same God. He's not the kind of God who, who is uh, really cares uh, that <clears throat> we express this, 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 um, Type of love that we we use the eros or the erotic love that we use with uh common person you know uh, not uh we sing what a friend we have in Jesus he's a friend but you know the philia friend he's but we talk about agape love so anyway uh what's really really relevant for churches is the question I've been asking and we we what what you know you you want to go to a church you want to feel that when you go to church, that your experience there is worth it, and it's not just routine and 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 you know blase blase, but it's actually something that is fulfilling and lifting, and you know all all that good stuff. Not too bushy, but good enough to let you know that that there is a purpose there. That the going to service, going to worship service at a church is purposeful, not just for the day, but for the week, you know, so forth for your life. And the question is, do we? How much adjusting do we need to make to make our, ourselves relevant? And, you know, I'm a pastor, and um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, 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 I like to use catchy titles to my sermon. I don't do it always, but frequent. You know, there there are occasions where I will throw in some titles. Um, I heard some preachers have <laughs> one sermon. I heard where you know the, the using the scripture about. Uh, John the, he- the Baptist getting beheaded because of the king and uh, the king's uh, stepdaughter giving him a seductive dance and blah blah blah. So he titled the sermon "I'm in Love with a Stripper." And, you know that was a, a rap song or, or whatever kind of song it was. But and of course the title caught the attention of the people. Most of the congregation really didn't know, but the younger people in the congregation knew. You know, uh, I preached a sermon uh, some time ago called "Stunning is a Habit." And <laughs> I don't even remember what scripture I used. Uh, uh, the kids got it, and um, I had some band students at at that particular service, and they were like, "Yeah, Mr. Neal know how to use that." You know, made them feel good. Uh, so, what's really relevant for the church? I think to be really relevant, we have to stick to the origin, the original uh, mandate of the church. The original mandate of the church was not to, not to fit in, and we we use, let's just go back to the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not try to fit in culturally. Now he did, you know, he sat and ate with publicans and and sinners, as as is recorded in the Gospels. But it didn't say he tried to fit in with them. He just said he sat with them. Didn't say that he tried to dress like them. Didn't say he tried to act like. Like them, but everything he did was done in a manner that commanded respect and honor from them. So he didn't have to change his whole. You know, he continued. He had one message that he preached that is recorded. Uh, aside from the teachings and the parables he gave, he had one message that he picked up after he got baptized, and that was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That message never changed. Even to the day, you know, before the time he died, he was tell, he was preaching the kingdom, he, repent the kingdom, and he was preaching that, and he was talking about the destruction of the temple and all of that. But it tied into the to the that primary message. It was the same message that John the Baptist preached. He didn't change that message. That message was received because when the people heard it, they said, "This man has authority. This man has things. He's doing things that." The, the, the Pharisees, the scribes, or the priests weren't doing. He had a command of the authority of the spirits and, you know, the body, able to heal, that they didn't have. And he didn't try to fit in. He he didn't try to fit in with the publicans and the Pharisees, you know. He, he didn't try to fit in with, any, uh, not with the publicans and Pharisees, well, you know, Sadducees, Pharisees, all those other E's. 
He didn't try to fit in with them. He went about doing his father's work. He went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed, is what the scripture says. He did not adjust himself to make himself adjust, uh, uh, accepted by the community that he was sent to. As a matter of fact, he said, there are some who are not even part of this community that's going to be a part of my flock. He didn't change who he was to try to make something else happen. Uh, and I, I think the reason, one of the reasons that our church is, is in distress, particularly the Western church. The Western church is in distress because we have either not adapted or we have over-adapted. And particularly in America, the, uh, the evangelical church has over-adapted. We've gone overboard trying to draw people into the church to the point where you can have people who are atheists pastoring. And you can have people who are New Agers pastoring. You can have people who are secular artists who, you know, do their thing and pastor. You can have people who, uh, in the case of, uh, you know, like Tyler Perry, Steve Harvey, who are more influential in the Christian, particularly in the black Christian circle, you know, than some of the some pastors are. And these guys sometimes miss the mark theologically, sometimes miss the mark, uh, you know, biblically. But because the the construct and way they present it, you know, it it it's, it it doesn't reflect the church. It reflects what people are uh, are acceptable, accepting of, you know. So they they have a greater sphere of influence, and that should not be, you know. When the pastors are, well, maybe it's because the pastors have failed to do so. The pastors have failed to make the word of God relevant. And we really we don't have to make the word of God relevant. If we stick to the scripture without trying to do anything, uh it will be relevant. And it doesn't mean that you have you can't be creative in presenting it. That does not mean that. There's a difference between being creative and presenting the gospel and being, you know, overboard with presenting the gospel. Uh and and drawing people in the church. Uh I, like I said, I'm conservative, so I, I just keep it keep it simple. I, <laughs> that's my motto, K-S-S. Keep it simple, stupid. I think the, the simpler the message is, the easier it is to, to present and the easier it is to, to receive. Uh, you know, there's not a – when you start throwing in theatrics, you take away from the, the, the power of the message. Because people won't really remember the message, but they remember what how the message was presented more so, and they'd be less likely to receive it when it is presented. You understand? Uh, but we we have to be careful. We have to be. We want to be relevant. We want to be. Uh, if you want to use the word, the phrase, cutting edge. We do. Uh, how we do that, I don't know. I'm not an expert. You know, in seminary, we learn a whole lot of things for urban ministry, but urban environments change. You know, and it, it changes so swift. And as I said before, you know, time is filled with swift transition. Was popular today, like the Harlem Shake. <laughs> Excuse me, and all these churches uh, imitating. You know, I'm going to YouTube and seeing all these. These Harlem Shake videos by churches. And I'm like, guys, first of all, y'all don't even know what the Harlem Shake is. <laughs> uh, the Harlem Shake ain't just acting the fool. It's a dance. It's a real dance. It's a. But, you know, and, and just trying to catch on the fads. This is going on. People just allowing, pastors are allowing any and everything to go on in their church for the sake of being relevant. I don't think it's going to hurt you not to be relevant. As a matter of fact, I think it's probably in your best interest to. But hey, what do I know? I'm just a pastor. I'm, you know, <laughs> doesn't really matter. Look, I've run out of time. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I appreciate you for listening. As always, we're here Wednesdays. And we want you to know that whatever you, you know, hey, hit us up. Let us hear what you have to say, what you want to hear, a uh, uh, topic you want us to address. We, we appreciate it. But we just thank you for making this show grow. We appreciate all the listeners. Every week is getting a growing number, and we just say. So, and this last time, keep it on, keep it on, and um, stay relevant. And <laughs> stay relevant. <laughs> Ain't that something, huh? So I'll leave you on this. Again, one more clip from Bishop Love. Uh, and I'm out.
if God is love, then everything about God and his church and his people are love. From the sermons that we preach to the songs that we sing. So I told the Lord one day, I don't want to bore you with it. Oh Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you. Say, I don't want to bore. Help me somebody. Can I get some singers? Oh Lord, I love you. Lift those hands and say, I don't. You 